is truth. Truth is reality. It can be confirmed by evidence. It is verifiable. And we seek to find it. Welcome to Euphonaut Radio. Euphonaut Radio is a show that takes you on a truth journey outside the matrix to examine the worlds of ufology, the paranormal, and new science. Open your mind as we search for the truth that most are afraid to discuss. This is Euphonaut Radio with Jesse Randolph and Christopher J. Brown, only on PSN Radio. Euphonaut Radio on a tension-filled Monday night, broadcasting live from a top-secret location somewhere in the Pacific Northwest. I am your host, Jesse Randolph, and as always, I invite you to put the cell on vibrate. Join me and my co-host here, Mr. Chris Brown. Chris Brown, are you here? I'm here. I spoke Welcome. too soon, but I'm here. A moment of quick silence there. I was thinking, are we on? What happened? But yes, here. I'm here. I am ready. Put the cell on vibrate. Join us. Take a journey outside the matrix every Monday night here on PSN Radio Network, and I will tell you I'm pretty excited. Euphonaut Radio, what do we do here real quickly? Me and Mr. Chris J. Brown, we exist to explore new happenings within the ufology exopolitical community, and I am happy to introduce my co-host and experiencer, Chris J. Brown. Chris, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm just getting over my cold, and and I'm very glad to be here, and I'm glad to be the co-host of... Euphonaut, our new show. I'm glad to have you, too. You know, a lot of people are probably wondering what's going on with this show, uh, or they're having trouble pronouncing it. We should probably look into uh, possibly changing it, and I've heard that a million times. But, um, you know, no. Euphonaut's been around for a while, and I just can't get away from it. If people have trouble with the name, Chris, I think it's the easiest way to go. There are astronauts, and there are euphonauts. That's right. Astronaut, euphonaut. It's not that hard, is it? I don't think it's hard. I figured it out right away. It took me a second to uh, to to get it there at one time, but once I heard the euphonaut rhymed with the astronaut, I was on it like a free ride to to uh, well to 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 a Star Wars movie. So well, there you go. I'm glad to have you here, and I'm glad yeah. to be here with everybody tonight. What a strange time in America! It is, and it's a, a very strange time to start a show again. But I have to say that I felt compelled to, and we're going to talk about that a lot tonight. Great. Uh, we're also going to talk about something that I like to call uh, Ufology 2.0, which is something that I've been talking about for a very long time, and I'm hoping to try to educate some of the newbies coming into Ufology and start to highlight them as well. I want to try to start getting away from some of the older stories and some of the things that people are saying are uh, sort of rehash. I think that the subject is definitely in a bad state right now um, to a certain degree. It's got a bad reputation. It needs a lot of help in a lot of areas. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, you're, you're here to Mr. Agreement right here. You don't want, you know, me and my story. So I 110% agree, just like Lou Fregno would say, 110%. And, um, yeah, I'm in it. And uh, because it is exactly that there's uh, I am tired of, of flipping on to the show, you new UFO show and seeing something that that's been on dozens of other shows for the last dozens of years. 
years, literally. And That's so, right. uh, right. you know, and, and this is going to get back to the person tonight who we have on. It's another, another, you know, is, is our guest in Chase Koleski because, uh, as herself as, as a female, uh, she as as even myself, and because she's made it, you know, she's she's the pinnacle of all the females in the in the UFO industry. But uh, even herself, it tries to strive because of, to get past that 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 female thing, which which they all have of, of trying to get past. Which you know, I'm sure she'll be happy to discuss. But being uh, a female in ufology, that's got to exactly. be tough, huh? It no, is. Well, you know what? It's funny you bring up the. Uh, the guest tonight, let's just talk about her real quick because it's always good to. Uh, we've got a excellent guest. She's a MUFON investigator. She's a former DOD veteran um, that we're going to discuss because she was on the inside, obviously, which is something that we've all liked to be. We've all wanted to be. We've all dreamed about being inside Area 51 to be able to explore and look in the cupboards and the cabinets and the file cabinets, right? Um, well, I'm hoping that Chase has some inside information for us. And I also would like to talk to her, Chris, about ufology 2.0 and what that means to her, how we bring this subject back into the fray of uh, a better reputation, into the fray of people giving it uh, more of a shot. And I have to say that being away from this subject for a good four plus years now, I think it's been at least since I've been on the air. And this is going back to the days of, you know, block talk radio when that started up. This is going back to the days of. uh, That's just when I got on, really. You know, it's just been four years pretty much to the day almost. Well, I'll tell you real quick for the folks who don't know me, um, you can you can go ahead and Google me. Unfortunately, I'm probably on there somewhere and you're going to hear good and bad things just like anybody else. But my quick story is that I started researching this subject about 20 years ago. And I went to all the conferences. In fact, I remember a John Lear conference that scared the hell out of me at at the L.A. MUFON back in the day. Um, I spent a long time in Los Angeles. A good personal friend of mine, Tim Crawford, who owns UFOTV.com, had asked me to think about doing a radio program since I had some sort of uh, connection to the subject. And I was passionate and I had a big mouth. Um, fast forward and we did the show and we took it places and we put it on terrestrial radio for a little while out here in Portland and Arizona for a while in Phoenix. And it was tough. I will tell you, doing a radio show is difficult and being a host is difficult. You take a lot of flack. You know what I'm talking about, Chris? Well, I'm going to find I'm going to find you know, out. I'm not, <laughs> yeah, I am. Well, because, you know, I've kind of been in a back back. Uh, driver's seat for for kind of a lot what I do already so but uh, sure well you're going to find out a lot I will tell you I've had people stalk me I have people threaten me I have people disagree with me I have people praise me and that's okay because we need all of those people and that goes to a good segue into the rules of this show and excuse us for jumping around here but we're back it's going to be a little bit of this and that rules for the show are none no rules whatsoever Sound quality is not my priority. Information disclosure is. Okay, let me say that again. Not sound quality. Quality of the messenger is what I'm looking for here. So if you've got something important to say, I want you to call in. I don't care if you're calling in on a tin can, and I promise not to harass you about any of that. If you need to say the S word or the F word because it makes your point, then go ahead and say it. This isn't romper room. 
This is a very important discussion about a topic that is n totally getting glazed over now. We are past 9 o'clock, people, and understand this. Yes. At 9 o'clock on all cable channels now, unlike 10 to 15 years ago, after 9 o'clock on your regular basic cable that you play, you pay for without the fancy stations, they actually play movies now past 9 o'clock that will show on you know, rated. They will keep the words in and whatever because it is that hour. And That's right. this is what we're at right hour. now, my friend. So darn right. That's right. And you know, another thing we have to bring up here is uh especially on our first show back in quite a while. And it's the fact that I want all the bell gabbers out there to know that you're welcome here. I know that I followed Bell Gab for a little while myself. I enjoyed it. And I really did want to tell everybody out there if you're part of bell gab and you enjoy uh some of the forums that have really helped this topic whether you're on godlike productions which i enjoy um call in there's a, a a way for us to actually join forces here instead of being against each other and i know that there's a lot of stuff on the internet that goes down every day and it's easy to criticize folks on the internet i get that trust me i've had more people getting angry about my nose and making fun of my beard and you name it. And it's a good reason why this time around I'm in it for fun. I'm in it for passion. I'm in and it that call in number, by the way, is one seven, eight, six, two, four, five, eight, one, two, seven. Let's say it again. One, That's seven, right. eight, six, two, four, five, eight, one, two, seven. We do have a call in number and that is the number. Thank you, Chris. Um, well, I will say that Chris became my co-host and producer here at the show for a bunch of different reasons. One of the main reasons that I wanted Chris was because Chris is an experiencer. Okay, now I think there's a great synergy here because I'm coming into this subject with a high level of scrutiny. And I repeat, high level of scrutiny every week, Monday night. We will be here following future theater. That will not change. Whether or not you want to tune in is up to you, but I think you're going to like it. I think you're going to enjoy hearing Chris's take on some of our guests as well as mine. Nothing is off limits here. Chris, do you want to tell our audience members for the folks who don't know anything about you a little bit about how you got involved with the subject? We're going to talk for a little bit about both ourselves here before we get to our guests tonight at the uh, um, middle of the hour here. Well, that is for everybody here who I know does most know probably what happened to me but mine started off in 2011 in august of the 18th and the 26th i had had my ufo encounters uh the first of one was a disc huge disc disc in the field i seen out water in my yard and then the second of one was with a ufo orb six feet from my son and i and uh, we could see perfectly in the middle of it and we could see the red uh liquid in the orb as uh, the spheres that went spinning next to us and uh so well that wound me doing the MUFON and then the open minds and the MUFON monthly journal and da, 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 and things happen da, da, so, da, da. you're kind of glossing over a lot of heavyweight yeah, stuff but that, hold on that, a second so, but that's kind of how i got into being i don't want to here yeah Okay, well, it sounds like you drank your coffee tonight. I want to add somebody to this conversation. It looks like we, we just lost them. It was an old friend of mine. We're going to have old friends calling in 
right. we're going to have people going, I remember that guy. What happened to him? Why did he leave L.A.? Why did he go to the Pacific Northwest? What's he doing? Hiding? And I'll tell you something, Chris, and listeners out there, I feel like hiding sometimes when I see what is going on and where this subject has gone. It is very sad to me. There's a lot of people that were veterans in this subject that are now burned out. They're tired. They did not get the respect they deserved. And then there are a bunch of new charlatans to the mix, of course. And we're going to talk about them, too. And that's okay. You know, I had a show, like I said, years ago. And one of the problems of my show was that I had sponsors. And I had people that I had to listen to and be a little careful, let's say, with my opinions, which everybody who knows me personally knows I'm not very shy with. And I have them. And now, because of Angel and PSN Radio, we can do this show together. We can talk about ufology and exopolitics the way we want to. We do not have to answer to anyone. So look at it as your show. Look at it as everyone's show. We're trying to do something here. And I will say the disclosure movement, which I've always been a personal fan of, is getting tougher and tougher to exist in. And one of the reasons is, and I think Bill brought it up in the show tonight while I was listening, is that he thinks there's another extinction event coming up. And I must say that I might have to agree with him. I mean, look around. We are facing obliteration on many fronts. In the past few weeks, we're facing social obliteration. We're facing society obliteration here, right here where we live. It's very frightening. So why do I make this point? Reason I make this point is because how can you look up? How can you have time to look up? How can you have time to think about something like ufology, like the study of extraterrestrial intelligent beings that are here, that are coexisting with us, that are visiting us, that may have seeded us? We cannot turn our back on that. If anything, now is the time to look into that void and try to embrace it. So getting back to Ufology 2.0, Chris. Ufology 2.0, what is it? What does it mean? No, I didn't patent it. I didn't trademark it. But we must look at what it can be. There are radio hosts right now as we speak, some of which – I personally enjoy that are talking about ufology going away, that it's a burned out subject that has reached its end, that there are no new cases. I'm hoping Chase is going to help us tonight make sure that people know there's plenty of more cases here. Okay, there is plenty to discuss, but we must look at this subject with a different lens. And when I say different lens, I mean putting on different goggles on your eyes. We must look at not just the scientific method to figure out, to validate, to believe. We must look within and we must look not only into our hearts, but we have to start embracing. Hold on. Wait for it. We must start embracing some of the folks that are actually trying to make contact on their own. Okay, Chris, respond to what I just said. What do you think about people who are trying to make contact on their own? And do you know any of these people that I speak of? Well, I do. 
I know some people are trying to make contact of their own, but you know, it's one of those things where, you know, it's, it's a tricky deal. I mean, it's, everybody's trying to make contact, right? You know, and, uh, not everybody, not everybody. Well, not everybody. I'm talking about, hold on. I'm talking about people who are going out into the field right now. And I know a lot of people throw stones at MUFON. We're going to talk about that a little bit tonight too. I don't agree with, by the way. Um, although sometimes I think they can be a little rigid in their methodologies, but I understand why they do it. They are in a special category where they get looked at in a certain light. They're like mm -hmm. what I had to do when I had to be careful of what I said and did on the radio, which I don't have to effing do anymore, which is beautiful. But I'm talking about ufology 2.0 being actual contact, not waiting for some jack off in the White House or in the Beltway to tell us that this shit is real. I'm talking about people that are going out to Joshua Tree, conducting experimentations in their garage, trying to get a hold of these beings to find out, A, are you there? Are you listening? B, why aren't you helping or are you helping? And C, how can I, how can I get in on this? How can I become part of the galactic community? And, you know, sometimes when I listen back to some of the old great radio shows that I loved so much, whether it was Art Bell or um, some of the Clyde Lewis, which is a good friend of mine, some of his terrific shows mm -hmm. in the past and others, there are shows that just made you so excited about the future. Okay. These yeah. people that came out, whistleblowers, um, deathbed confessionals, and we've covered a lot of them. And I know what I like to listen to. And sometimes the drier stuff, the more hands-on investigation type work is quite dry, especially in the MUFON arena. And I want to talk to Chase about that. Are they examining people who are actually trying to contact extraterrestrials? And I'm not just talking about with light technology, which some folks like uh, Dr. Stephen Greer are doing with, over with the CSETI folks, right? I'm talking about people that are trying to use their minds. I'm talking about people who are trying to channel people that are trying to get into different places, whether they're using DMT and the spirit molecule, you know what I'm talking about, where they're using drugs to achieve higher states of consciousness, uh, consciousness a la ayahuasca and such, or what is their methodology? Are they doing remote viewing, which I have a big problem with and I have a history with, and that's plenty of uh, hours to talk about if we ever go there, my run-ins with Ed, Ed Dames and the like. But we need to open our minds, and that's what to Ufology 2.0, Chris, and everyone out there is about, in my opinion, is how do we open up the doors, inviting others in. We're not just sci-fi geeks. We're not Comic-Con people, although we've got nothing against Comic-Con. But how do we get the masses to be not only interested but to participate? And I'm not talking for $5,000 a pop. You know who I'm talking about. No, I'm talking about things that you can do in your backyard or with a meetup group. And perhaps this is the route to go. Because I'll tell you from my standpoint, I'm very – and now I've taken, what, four to five years off here. I'm hearing the same stuff, and it's nobody's fault, okay? I'm not looking to point fingers. I'm not looking to say I'm going to do it better. I'm looking to say I'm excited. I've got a cool producer, 
and I, what I like about him and the, my co-host is that he's an experiencer. He had something happen to him. 20 years in this subject, I haven't had that happen. I want it to happen to more people. I want to figure out why Chris, why did this happen to Chris? What are other people doing and what can we do outside the matrix, outside the scientific method to tap into people who really want to help and really get us into another zone that we can coexist possibly with beings from other worlds. Now, to me, that sounds like a terrific way to pursue this program. What do you think, Chris? I 100% agree. 100% agree. He personally agrees. Okay. Well, that, that was easy. Now, yeah. now we can, there you go. Um, mm -hmm. Let's talk about tonight's guest and then we're going to go to a break coming up too. Um, you know, it's been what? 10 years, 10, you know, we have a chat room too, don't we here? This we is do. fantastic. We do. You, you got to love how all these things just work when, when angels run in the show here. Um, I swear mm -hmm. to God, this is better than some of my uh, terrestrial radio. It stations. goes very smooth. Yes. It makes it very easy. Yes. And I will well, invite you. We do have angel, a, uh, uh, Chris, Chris is uh, in charge of giving out our telephone number here. And if you have something to say about ufology 2.0, what it means to you. And I, look, I have been I have been uh, attacked for having folks on the show that have to do with time travel, that have to do with remote viewing, that have to do with other subjects that people find to be. I'll just say it bullshit. But that's not the point of having them on. The point is to evaluate. Is this something that might mean something to me that I might be able to participate in? I, we've got a caller. Who? What do you say, you caller? Who, who do we have on the line here? We have Lou calling hey, from Lou. Uh, Lou. West. Hi. Hey, Chris. Hey, Dan. Uh, Jesse, something that uh, one gap in, in your bio that has never been filled in, at least for me, is why you personally have an interest in this. And I'm not talking the abstract, um, assuming they're there, it will help humanity, but... What kind of sparked your interest? I know why Chris is interested because he's an experienced. But why? But why are you interested? You know, it's a great question. Here is the quick answer, Lou, because it's bothered me for a very long time as well. Because, as you know, or many people out there, because they've spoken to me, they've written me, they've called me sometimes on Sunday morning, and I don't know how they got my cell number. And I've had somebody call me and say, "You have to help me get to Mars immediately." You know, mm -hmm. things of that nature. But for me, it's always been a burden, meaning this is not something that I usually want to think about. I didn't want to think about it. I just wanted to be a regular Joe, to be honest with you. So why do my... you think about it then? Why well, do you? Why? What sparked your interest? Uh, you know what? I can't answer the question. Uh, I can't answer the question on the air. I can, I, I'm not trying to create a mystery or anything. I'm not trying to put off the question. It's a great question. I'm a little embarrassed. And I'm not sure that I have a handle on why um, I have an answer, and I'd be happy to tell you offline. Well, <laughs> I know you. Fun. Well, and I know that. Good luck I know to both of you. Good luck to yeah. both of you with your new show. Thank hey, Lou. Lou, before you go, Lou. Lou, before you go, you you were a listener back in the day, weren't you? Yes, I was. Yes, well, and a communicator too. I send you uh, through blog talk. Through uh, I send you little messages, and you respond. Well, I just wanted yep. to say thank you for doing that over the years. Yep. And, uh, again, good luck on your, your new endeavor. And thank you, sir. Talk to him. Right. Bye. Thanks for calling. 
And I, like I said, I don't care how Lou's audio was, but uh, hopefully it was okay. Um, anyway, we've got a phone number to call in. What's the number, Chris Brown? The number is, oh no, you killed me. It is one, <laughs> I, I have it ready. I'm You've been on the radio no, for years now. Come on, Chris. 8127 also, you can get it at psnradio.com, I believe it is. Uh, PSN-radio.com. PSN-radio, my mistake. I go there every other day, I should know. I will tell you that one of the reasons I came back to radio was because I was getting very bored on what to listen to. Now, it's not to say that my show's going to be any better. I hope that it is. But the point is, is that when you get frustrated, when you get upset, when you have an opinion – the radio is your vessel if you like to gab. And I invite all the bell gabbers because I love bell gab. I love a lot of people on there, and I think that their gab cast was very entertaining. I don't know the gentleman who runs the joint, but he's very good. And I've been very disappointed with some of the lefts and rights that this subject has gone in, especially with radio. Now, I will say there have been some fantastic people, and – I'll go out on a limb and say there are some fantastic people that really dislike me. And maybe I owe some of them an apology. Who knows? We're going to find out together. We have some very special people that I've invited on this show. And I'll just give you some of the names. Chris, you want to go down the list on some of these characters that I've asked you to grab and put in the hot seat for us? Chris. Yes, I have me on mute. I have me on mute. But anyway, uh, we do. We got uh, Peter Robbins is one. Another one's Michael Horn. We got Jeremy Cormell. Um, Hold on. Let's go slower here. Michael Horn, first of all, if you don't know, he's the uh, the ambassador to the Billy Meyer folks, uh, Figu, I believe they are, over in uh, Switzerland. And I've had him on the program many times. He's very entertaining. And there are a lot of people that poke holes at him big time. In fact, I think Angel is one of them. Yeah, I don't think he's going to ever be on the show because uh, me and him have personal beef. I don't think he'll be on if he knows I'm producing for you. Just saying. Well, you know what? Keep that a secret. If you want are, to you li- are you live on with us right now? Can the audience hear you? Oh, they can hear me clearly, yeah. Okay, fantastic. If you haven't yet, give Jackal uh, Angel a shout-out for uh, getting better and doing all this work for us while he's uh, dying on the vine. Give him a shout-out. And also, I would like to say uh, regarding the Michael Horn stuff and anybody else, that was the whole point of why we invited uh, Rich Giordano down next week. And I'm really happy to say that he has accepted, I believe. Right, right, Angel? That is correct. Yes, sir. Now, he's a perfect example of what I'm talking about. Here's a guy that was back from the blog talk days. He worked his butt off. Uh, and we, he got, we got into a spat and we can, we can hash it all out next week when he's on. But here was a gentleman who really got angry with me on the air, and he definitely put the dirty laundry out there, don't you think, Angel? You and several other folks, and you followed you for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, it exists. It's yeah. always going to exist. What I'm but trying it, to say – In his defense, though, in his defense, some of this – not about you, but some of the stuff he said about others within you followed you was very dead-on accurate. I mean, you know, there's a certain uh, couple people that he uh, mentioned and uh, what they were doing – and I gotta give him props because now we're seeing the light of day of what these people are, like Stan Romanek and such. So you know, oh he, boy, he was a bit of a of a hard uh, hard case sometimes, but he did make good points as well. And uh, you know, he's needed in ufology, I think. 
I think you're hitting my point on the head, and that's why I'm inviting folks like Rich down, and I'm glad he accepted. Rich, if you're listening, thank you. I look forward yeah. to talking with you. I will be happy to listen and try to uh, stomp any beef that may have existed. And um, my point exactly, a guy like Rich G, if you haven't listened to his show, AZ UFO show, it's got plenty of gutter talk, okay? It's got plenty of cursing and other kinds of banter that is going to probably make you laugh. Um, but I will tell you, there is a lot within the lines that this gentleman knows. So he's the kind of guy that has gone away from ufology because of a lot of charlatan-esque type stuff. And if I bring up a guy like Michael Horn to a guy like Rich G, I think there's going to be a lot of hot talk there. Now, my, my goal is not to ostracize anyone in particular, but at some point we do have to allow the audience members and everyone else to really come to a consensus on what this person is talking about. So anyway, let's take a break. We're going to do our first break here. Euphonaut Radio, Jesse Randolph, Chris Brown. We'll be right back with our guest, Chase, out of uh, MUFON and a former uh, DOD member. Chase, what's our what's our guest's last name here, Mr. Koleski. Brown? Chase Koleski. I'm going to get it right. I've said it all yep. day. Koleski. Chase Koleski coming up. Euphonaut Radio, don't go anywhere. Put a team of professional consultants behind your home or business computer with Key Information Solutions, providing solutions to your Internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology, preventative maintenance and networking support, hardware and custom-built computers. Let Key Information Solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly, or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call Key Information Solutions now, 954 970 That's 954-973-3374. Or visit keyinformation.com. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Have you heard Mac Maloney lately? In your military career, did you ever see anything that came close to an unusual UFO sighting or... No. Holy s***. That was the... Yeah. Yeah. Ten seconds of... Uh, no. What are you that tra- was so convincing. Yeah. What are you trying to say there? Well, UFO is an innocuous term. That's the worst fucking denial I've ever heard. Unidentified flying something. Mac Maloney's Military X-Files, Friday nights at 11 p.m. Eastern on the public streaming radio network. Unidentified flying The George Rodriguez Show. Who? I said the George Rodriguez Show. You don't know George Rodriguez? Wasn't he the guy that filled in for Neil Rogers? Yes, that George Rodriguez. What's he like? Oh, he's a short little Cuban fellow. Kind of funny looking. Well, when's he on? 12 to 3, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on SoFloRadio.com and SoFloRadio.net. The George Rodriguez Show is much more than adequate.
Chase Koleski, our guest tonight. We're going to bring her on in a second here and tell you a little bit about her. Uh, I just want to thank everybody for listening tonight. Uh, really excited to be on the show. I know everyone out there, if you haven't caught this cold yet, uh, first of all, my, my co-host has it. Angel's dying from it. I had it last month. I don't know what is going on, but it seems like everybody is getting this horrible it's chest cold. It's the plague, cold. Jesse. It's the plague. It's frightening. Us. Population and, you know, control, brother. It is. Well, paranoia in general is what's going on, gentlemen, and it is frightening. I can tell you that I have, unfortunately, the news on in the background while I work. I happen to work from home, and it's frightening. If you actually turn and watch it for a good half hour, the news, the mainstream media is trying to frighten us on every level, whether it be food. I had Woody, somebody send me a Woody Harrelson video the other day trying to scare the hell out of me for, for eating uh, a Taco Bell. I mean, I'm telling you, it is everywhere. And whether it's political, sociological, biological, the climate change, uh, whether it's not in Pacific Northwest here, it's a massive earthquake, right, Chris? It's going to wipe out the entire coast. I don't know. What that is for sure. That's what they say. Uh, I don't know if it'll happen anytime soon. Let's hope not. But that's what they're saying. Well, let's just be thankful uh, that uh, they legalized marijuana in Oregon because sometimes, folks, you need to calm down. You do. And I will tell you that uh, the best route is not going down to the local uh, Obamacare store uh, because that just gets you even more paranoid. What the best route might be sometimes is uh, growing in your backyard. So let's talk about our guest tonight. Now, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to this lady, not only is she a, a doer, and I say that they're sayers and doers. Do you know what that means? They're people that talk the talk. There's people who walk the walk, especially in ufology. It's easy for a big mouth, sometimes like myself, to criticize somebody for their efforts or to bash someone just based on their testimony. Of course, sometimes that works in a court of law. But – there are others that actually go out there and do hard, qualified, investigatory work. And one person in mind, uh, a person that is not a friend, but an acquaintance that I would welcome a friendship with, of course, uh, would probably be this woman tonight, as well as a woman named Leslie Keene. Uh, Chase Klotsky, are you there? And welcome. I am, and it is so my pleasure to be with you and Chris tonight, and big shout out to Angel, and thank you, Angel. Well, you're thank coming you. in thank crystal you. clear, thanks to Angel. Yep. Right? Talent. Oh, goodness. You, you sound ready to go. You had your coffee. Tell us, first of all, where you're calling in from. I am calling in from Brunswick, Georgia. Brunswick, oh. Georgia. Yes. and oh, really? I The Bulldogs. Yes, and I couldn't be more on the East Coast. I am literally 45 minutes from the Georgia-Florida line and 45 minutes from Savannah. So, wow. Chase, be before we get into a lot of topics that I want to talk about tonight, tell us if you could answer Lou's question, that if you had heard listening in the beginning of the first half hour when he called in and he asked me why I got involved in this subject, what happened was there an event? Was there something specific that changed my life that I would go out on a limb and support this whack, wacky world that people have poked fun at me for for over 
20 some odd years, especially in the corporate world. Now I look at your background and I have to ask the same question. Yeah, it's just something that's always been with me, Jesse, honestly, from... Um, you know, a teenager reading the book, uh, Chariots of the Gods really did spark, you know, this very, very long lasting, you know, passion into the paranormal and, and, you know, especially ufology, but specifically it's the questions. It wasn't necessarily a belief in everything he was saying. It was so shocked that way back in the 70s, yes, I was a teenager in the 70s, mm-hmm. and, you know, reading for the first time that somebody was asking questions against such a, a prominent authority as the Christian faith. I was blown away, and it was almost permission at that moment to do so. Yeah, I have to say, what, what an amazing, game-changing book. Obviously, it affected a lot of people including a, a guy that I, I've always been a, a fan of, not just because of his hair, but uh, Mr. Tukalos. A lot of yes. folks uh, who were introduced finally got his day in the sun a few years ago, and what a day it has been for ancient aliens, and what a game changer for a lot of people in the mainstream uh, that never heard a lot about this stuff. And all of a sudden, Giorgio was able to, with not only his good looks, but with his infectious, positive, and I would Amazing say... Amazing hair. I, I definitely yeah, said that hair. Well, you know, there's, there's a reason we're not on, on video here tonight. And, and there's no a hair. reason... No why, hair. Thank you. <laughs> but the point I'm making is that, you know, Giorgio was able to cross a barrier, and I, I guess is what I'm, I'm saying, and I'm asking yes. you. Don't you think that uh, taking the chariots of the gods and uh, the author was not someone uh, that you would uh, put in front of the camera per se, like a Giorgio who was able to take it and really run with it into the mainstream. Don't you think? Well, I may be run out of town for this one, but honestly, Uh I use the show ancient aliens quite a bit as um, an example, which is why UFO shows need to be better. We need to Mm -hmm. stop with the ridiculousness of, uh, theater and people who have barely been out in the field and ever done anything. And, you know, they're going for that 20 something, but only with the women. And I often use Age of Aliens as kind of that benchmark. It's like, guys, there's not a single man on there that's drop dead gorgeous. The women in there are, you know, not exceptionally beautiful and thin. And guess what? That show is in nine seasons, going on ten. They've already picked up three more paid seasons. These guys are banking. Why? Because they're legitimate. These guys actually know this topic and and are the people that you would go to as the experts if there is such a thing in ufology. But this is who you'd go to for these topics. Prometheus Productions killed it by picking the right cast of legitimate people that knew the topic. Killed it, meaning they did a great job, right? Yeah, but none of these guys were spectacular. You think of Philip Coppins, and we just adore him. But, you know, rest in peace, by the way. Absolutely. But you kind of think about, you know, are they really good looking or are they good looking because they're successful? So I I think. um, Well, let's talk about this for a second. First of all, let me back up. We're very excited (laughs) because it's our first show and we're running fast here. I thought it was going to be a three hour show. And it's a two-hour show, so I'm trying to pack it, and I love to pack it. 
So let's go back first because you have some pretty interesting stuff in your past, which would not normally define somebody's background, although it's not something you can define anymore with the kinds of people who get involved in this subject. Tell us about your background, especially with the DOD and how you morphed into a MUFON investigator, if you can. Sure. Uh, my job with the Department of Defense was basically I'm a biomechanics engineer. And what I would do is I would design programs for the DOD, but more specifically, um, kind of the elite units. And this could be anybody that the DOD wanted me to design programs for, meaning they could be Homeland Security, they could be from the Justice Department or even private sector. These guys that would need to be better, faster, and more successful on some of the more difficult or more challenging type activities. So I wouldn't just take a what we call it irregular troops um, that could enter a triple canopy and operate 72 hours completely unassisted. My job was take them to an even higher level than that. So I would get them physically, mentally, and emotionally ready for nothing but success. They don't quit till the mission is successful. Wow. Wow. And so you did this for how many years and how did you segue and when did you leave into uh, your study of ufology on, uh, I guess it's now a very public level. Yeah, a very public. And, you know, I've always been public with that. I've never I've been um, active in the UFO field since 1994. So this was always a part of me. Now, granted, I didn't have, you know, I believe posters in my office or anything, but I was never shy when we were, you know, on a more personal level, talking with people and get to know them. They knew what my passion was and, um, and my husband's active duty. And to this day, uh, you know, I've just never been told to shut up. Thank goodness, because it wouldn't have worked anyway. But I, I don't know. I think maybe, you know, nobody really cared what I was doing because it wasn't a conflict either way. But I worked, uh, DOD until 2006. I retired and that really was when I went full time. I put 40, without exaggerating guys, 40, 40 hours a week is my light week. Most of the time it's 60 to 80. I'm absolutely obsessed with uh, working cases and digging in and networking. So, you know, I just love this. So, and sayers, it is full time. Sayers and doers. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah and that must be frustrating sometimes. I, I must admit, you know, Alejandro Rojas is an old friend of mine. Um, in fact, he just to go back real far, he was doing the news for me when he was at MUFON on my radio program. Uh, I had met him in Roswell, I think, at, at an event. Everybody knows what event. And uh, I thought he was a terrific guy. He is a terrific guy. Um, and he did a an amazing job. This is Pre-Open Minds, which is a, a great publication and organization, I think. Uh, because they do it on a higher level. Um, yes, yes. And what I liked about MUFON, even though I never got really submerged in it, because uh, honestly, I'll be honest with you, Chase, uh, I was never much of a student. Uh, so I was hanging around folks, and in the MUFON circles, it was a lot of academia and uh, scientific method uh, kinds of folks. And Alejandro represented that for me, and I knew that if he brought that to the show, then we would have a slice of credibility that I needed at the time. Um, but I will go back to the frustrations that a MUFON investigator, and that would be my question for you, 
talk to me about some of the frustrations being a MUFON investigator, not only from scrutiny from inside the ufology community, which is great at punching each other in the face, I'll tell you that, (laughs) but mainstream media, folks at the water cooler, your friends down the street, and any other scientific uh, body. I think one of the biggest pieces of disinformation, one of the most successful disinformation campaigns out there is that we cannot do scientific investigations because that's exactly what we're doing. It's what I do every time. And, you know, I like to highlight this in my talk, speaking of Alejandro and, you know, that whole area of Roswell. I spoke at International Congress last year and you're right about open minds. They're absolutely five levels ahead of most people. Yeah, they're great. Yeah, they're amazing. But, you know, that's one of the things I highlighted. And then I detailed what is the definition, you know, straight from the scientific community of how this process and methodology works. And that's exactly what we're doing if you're doing it right. Yeah, because Uh, if you're doing it right. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. It was just, but, you know, when MUFON, you know, there's, you know, there's, a leadership now that's uh, very forward thinking. He's a visionary and, you know, he's 10 steps ahead of a lot of people out here in the field. And it's just taken a little bit for a large organization like MUFON to kind of catch up to the times because it's a very slow moving um, entity. And, and in a lot of ways it needs to be because, you know, it's international. Um, well, I think it also took a hit uh, a number of years ago when 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 the head of MUFON really came out and bashed uh, a lot about ufology in general and the organization. <laughs> and that or when did. the go ahead, or when the star team manager left, yours yes. truly right here and called him out too. I'm not afraid to call out deception. I'm not afraid to call out those that are betraying the the trust mm-hmm. of the public and the organization and. Um, you know, and that's exactly what I did. Um, it's why I was invited back. Um, and once the uh, initial shock of all of that wore off, you know, there were those that I called out that were no longer there. And, you know, kind of the new head of MUFON, the new headquarters kind of looked and said, well, wait a minute, what did she do wrong? Nothing. You know, I called out a deception. I called out, you know, these guys that had their hand in the cookie jar and sure. they – they were the deceivers. So I'm not afraid to call out. And I think that's um, probably when my name was even heard by anybody outside of a state that I was investigating in for MUFON. And um, it was just, I don't know. I, I didn't know anybody. I was completely on my own. and wasn't afraid to speak out and just stand up. You know, I'm, I'm kind of one of those people, if you throw the truth out there and let it go. Yeah. It's going to do very well for itself. Mm-hmm. I can hear that in your voice. And, and, but but try to define for this audience, especially because, you know, the folks who listen to this show uh, nine times out of ten, they're pretty savvy ufology type folks. You know, they've listened to probably 4,000 shows. <laughs> right. Talk to me about – and because uh, I want to learn too because um, MUFON changing. Uh, every year it's changing. Uh, and like you said, there's new heads and – uh, at one point, I thought Bob Bigelow was involved. I don't even know if he is. I don't know who the major backer of – let's start there. Who is the major financial backing entity of MUFON at this point? Do that would be the – yes, absolutely. That would be the membership. Um, the people that are uh, you know, joining MUFON 
It's, I, I love when they say, well, we're all volunteers. It's like, no, actually, I pay a fee to be here, guys. Let's put right. it on the table. I pay to be here, and I pay for this training. So that's the good news is that. And that's quite volu- a test that you got to take, too, to get even in the MUFON <laughs> test. My my friend uh, who had just recently took one with a 100 questions or something it was that he had to take. Yeah, and it's an open mm-hmm. book test. It's absolutely open book, and it's still tough. It is a tough test, but it needs to be. It needs to be, guys, because this really, mm-hmm. yeah, it really shakes out those that are very serious-minded of doing it right because who do we let down? If if we don't have these scientific um, methods or skill sets that we could go into the field with, we're letting down the very people who trusted us when we said, hey, if you have an event, call us. We investigate. So to let the, let down the witnesses, to let down the people that are reporting, that is absolutely the focus of the headquarters. You know, for the past few years, it started with Dave McDonald, um, and and has moved forward with Jan Harzan. And you know, I was almost the poster child of MUFON hating, and of course, I've never hated MUFON. <laughs> um, I hate deception and people that you know are in it for the wrong reasons, and you well, know are. Here, here's here's some stigma on MUFON, and maybe you can help squash some of it. Does that sound fun? Oh, sure. And you know I'll nope. be honest, so. I know. That's why I think it might be fun. <laughs> okay. MUFON is full of old people that are out of touch. Um, Mostly true. <laughs> <laughs> it's not it's not okay. full of well you know even the head of mufon at one point i think it was clifford cliff you know joked very publicly and said you know to go for to a mufon meeting is like you know bingo night at the old folks home and you know <laughs> very aware of this situation that you know most of the people that have the kind of time to get involved and the money to spend on such things are usually your older generation and yeah. there's a huge push in probably the last five years and especially in a strategic planning of where MUFON is going to be in the next five years includes that younger audience. Um, how do we how do we bring in the best of the best, the science guys, you know, the, the kids out there now, I say kids, uh, the 20 somethings, the 30 somethings, the 40 somethings that are inventing. Well, you got, uh, right away, you're, you're touching on things that um, both the uh, the Catholic Church and yep. all faiths had to do. They they knew, especially in in my sector in Judaism, uh, the temples. You would go there, and nobody understood what anybody was talking about because it was Hebrew. So that you got a you got a ding right there. But what young person floating around in this society with their iPhone and their PS4 and everything else is going to want to go to temple? Well, guess what? They want to go now because on Friday nights, it's basically like where you get to pick up chicks. Right. Okay. Well, I, but, you know, when you're talking about a scientific organization and, and one that, you know, there has to be requirements. There has to be a strict protocol because, you know, we're going to people's homes. So, you know, they, they have to be discreet and, you know, who's doing what and who gets what positions and, you know, um, I can tell you one thing. This is the best way to put it. I promise you guys, MUFON's days of sniffing dirt are over. Yay. They are coming up forward. Um, probably so the- we need MUFON. Yeah, right? I, I really need MUFON. And here's why, too, is that there aren't too many bodies within this field that we love so much and have such passion for. 
that have well, some sort of acceptance in the mainstream. Mufon's still holding on to some of them. Yes, because think of the greats. Think of the people and the organizations. We had Kufos and, you know, NICAP and, you know, Mufon's pretty much the only one standing and we're losing some of our biggest guys. We, you know, Dr. Lear. Oh my gosh. And, you know, when you think back on J. Allen Hynek and, John Mack, and we start naming these guys. I think the new generation forgets. You have Jacques Vallée and um, Huffington Post writer. Oh, he's going to kill me. He's I do a special with him. <laughs> Call the counters. We're the nine. Uh, Lee Spie- uh, Spiegel. I thought we're you were going to say Jacques Vallée. I was like, wow. Heavy, yeah, it is. Name drop in there. Well, you Jacques Vallée and, and Lee Spiegel literally are together at the U.N., I mean, but what do you think here, – here's my problem with some of these characters that you're bringing up, especially Jacques. Um, it seems as though these people have taken a very, very long step back from anything called ufology a long time ago. It's, it's not for the faint of heart. Ufology <laughs> is not – you have to be a little thick-skinned, which I'm not always because I'm like a freaking cheerleader. And I don't like mean people, so – you know, I, I get very frustrated with some of it sometimes, but, you I know, huh? I hate mean people. Right, right. But then there's a whole new group and I call, you know, I call them the, the nickname for I them. I fight them off like I'm fighting off these mosquitoes right now. So I could care less. <laughs> well, but Chris, what about, you know, the Kardashians? There's yeah. like this new breed of people that think, oh, wow, I'll get into ufology because I can get on television. They want to be famous for nothing. And, you know, we've, you know, people out here that, oh, my gosh, I mean, they've been killing it. Like I said, I, I, I get that on that end right there. Sure. When you hit when you say that, I, get, I totally get that in my experience. For, and that's for sure. You're exactly right. You know, they've done nothing. And there's a lot of things that's happened. Big things happen to people in this industry that, that, that yeah, for sure. I get it. Well, you guys are touching on something important, which is anger within this field. And there's a lot of subsets there. But I think one of them, and we've talked about this before. I talked to Bill Burns about this, and I think he agreed with me, which was many people within ufology and exopolitics are upset because they can't make a living. There is no money to be made in this field. Uh, nine times out of ten. Uh, agree or disagree, Chase? Absolutely agree. And I think when money starts entering the picture as any kind of priority or a need, it corrupts the integrity anyway. Um, I'm doing investigating the Star Child skull, which is very, very famous. It's been around sure. forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people just love this skull, myself included. The minute and you've held that skull, right, Chase? Yeah, I, it's sitting on my desk, actually, looking at it oh, right wow. now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Don't so, drop it. Right? <laughs> the real skull itself, sitting there looking at you. <laughs> I, it's glowing. I, it's glowing right now. Right. I actually am the new lead investigator on it. Um, wow, Lloyd congrats. Pye, well, thank you. Lloyd Pye, uh, who passed away, again, yes. we're losing some of our greats, and um, but for two years, and they've been looking for a new lead investigator, and um, I was approached after my talk at uh, Congress last year and accepted this very complicated, very big case, and there's a lot of work that I, needed, I need to do on this, and I don't want to springboard off of Lloyd Pye. So, you know, as, as a fellow researcher and investigator out here, I decided the best way to honor him and his work is to leave it be. That's his work. 
And then I start everything completely on my own. Um, and any results that we get do not challenge anything he's done because we have new technologies. Even the DNA has jumped even in the last two years. Things that well, weren't available to him. So, as as you know, the the technology you bring up. I mean, take Doctor Lear. As as did you know him well? I um I know of his work very very well. Yes, but not personally too well. Okay. well we knew I each have other. A, okay, I I had a, a couple of terrific meetings with him uh, back in the day and a couple of great stories too but what a fantastic guy one of which i think he showed up on a motorcycle (laughs) and i think it uh it's zito but the point i'm making is is that lear was adamant about how much we could do and he was angered and again it brings back anger there are people that are angry not because they're not making money not because they can't do this full time wink wink no, he was a full-time podiatrist, which he got plenty of flack for, too, if I told somebody he was a podiatrist. Oh, he's not a real doctor. He was a real doctor. He was a very good doctor, a very well-respected doctor. But what really angered him, where he got in your face and gave you that really good stare of his, was when he knew how much he could actually accomplish if he had the funds for the technology that you're talking about. And you don't have access to that either, I would imagine. No, the Star Child Project um, was Lloyd, and and they're still operational. They're actually a business and a holding company, and they still accept, you know, a lot of donations. I won't touch it. I do not work for them. In fact, uh, one of the conditions of me taking lead of this investigation was to do a completely independent one, separate of all the work that had been done before, because to meet any kind of admissibility or burden of proof, I needed a blind study. And my other goal is I want a peer review done on some of the work we have with the Star Child Skull, and it looks like we're going to get that. So, you know, really want to make some you know, kick down a few walls, you know. How do you get a budget? How do you get, do you have any budget associated with your research? Um, My husband, no, my, my husband works and, um, he's very generous and he funds everything I do, including my, uh, the trips I take. And I mean, this is, this is what I'm talking about. This is what I'm talking about. Audience members. This is real ufology. You're listening to it right now. It's not, uh, all spaceship teach parties, and it's not all talking to ETs. I don't know. Have you talked to any t- ETs this week, Chase? I have not, as a matter of fact. <laughs> Nor have I. And that's not really to say that they don't exist and that people are not talking to them. But if you want to get to the nitty-gritty, if you want to talk about mainstream science and acceptance, which is some sort of crossover maneuver we have to do, I mean, look, there's so many people listening, probably, hopefully, that have no idea that there were congressional hearings about this subject years ago, that people took this seriously as a threat, that people yeah. were investigating this in a very – I was one fashion. of those guys up until you know years back, so there's a lot of us, yes. Yes, and this is the problem I think that we face is that just like you're talking about how do we get younger generations interested in the MUFON. Um, which is incredibly important, definitely uh, important to put a slice of the pie resources towards that, or else you're not going to exist when the folks start dying out or phasing out, right? But Well, yeah, 
and you've got to you've got to love the work. You've just got to love it. And love you know, it. I can't tell you how many times we, you know, how many days we spent. Uh, just recently, last year, I flew out to Oklahoma to help a girlfriend literally sit and go through boxes of nothing but one file after another. And we spent hours and hours. You know, your knees hurt. And I loved it. You know, I love that stuff. It's like Bigfoot hunting. You know, you're sitting out there in the woods and that twig cracks. Well, you know, it's probably a raccoon, but your heart's pounding. You have to love what you're doing. You have to love the research. And it's always the journey has to be your destination. It can't be about money. I love your energy. Are the people in MUFON now more like you or are they are you trying to get them to be more like you? Well, I think if it's every- like you, I'm joining. Oh, thank how much you. is it? Thirty bucks? Guys- I'll do it. You guys are sweet. Honestly, um, you know, it takes it takes such an eclectic group of people. In fact, um, one of the newest things in MUFON is called the Special Assignment Team, which I actually lead, and that is a special group. And I've come up with an entirely different investigation model that's never been used in MUFON before. And um, I picked kind of this very neat group of different skill sets and we work as a task force. So when we get these huge, big, complicated cases that, you know, kind of overwhelm situations, they go to the SAT team or the special assignment team. And we work for Jan Harzan and Steve Hudgens and the board of directors only. We don't have state directors. We don't have – it's we're headquarters team. So I love this unit because we're a task force. That folder gets thrown on a table and we go to town as a unit. We're also a high-performance team, which I insisted on. So I profiled this team as high-performance. And, of course, our high-performance teams would be kind of your CQB um, or your SWAT teams or even the Olympic volleyball team. They know how to dig in and everybody just kind of covers each other's back, Um, your – rotating positions, you're uh, handling different tasks and skill sets within that case, but we don't stop until we build that case like a prosecutor. And then, because and then okay, so so I'm not cutting you off here, but but uh, we're limited on time. Right. But I want to get to some of the frustrations y'all have, because I think one of the frustrations we were getting back at, you know, uh, respond to some of the uh, uh, statements made about MUFON is, uh, here's another one that, that I want you to respond to. Um, MUFON collects information and then they do do anything with it. They put it in some old file cabinet and uh, nobody really cares. So what's your response to that? I um, Yes, I can see why that is absolutely something that people would complain about. Um, I've said it myself. Hey, guys, where's our stuff? And the truth is it's out there. And the uh, truth is when you're collecting kind of data, we don't want to put out something that's, you know, just benighted or half done, which is, okay, so we're studying, say, orange orbs for six months, but we've been having these reports since Foo Fighters and World War II. <laughs> so, you know, really, how does the data, how long does it take? Look how long it takes to do uh, Roswell or Rendlesham is still being examined and fettered out and more people coming forward. We don't have these things that can come out every year. So MUFON is um, collecting data. And what is being done now in MUFON is the kind of software. And again, 
MUFON has, the same as anyone else, money. These things mm-hmm. cost big bucks to get that programming, to start identifying and filter this stuff down. And to be honest, guys, you have personnel changes. Just like we were talking about, you have new people that yep. come in. They're all excited. They're going to do this for you. It's, and then they realize. It is. Uh, it's like a car dealership with these salesmen. So I understand with that whole scene. I yeah, it's it's not skull, uh, Scully and Mulder. So, you know, mm-hmm. they quit in six months. They didn't finish what they promised you they were going to do. You know, and Janet headquarters are looking for new people that, you know, actually have the skills to pick up and start this again. That's another one of the problems. But, you know, the truth is there's, you know, some things coming out um, and they do have some data that's been put together. You know, um, I think I think we have too many chiefs and not enough Indians. Personally, I think there's well, too yeah, many always, groups. I would, uh, yeah, I mean, I, le- I worked in Silicon yeah. Valley. That's always the case. No doubt. Yes. But what That's- about if somebody said um, and, and of course, you're not the spokesperson for safe for move. Yeah. But in this case, you are. Um Okay, MUFON's been around for what, forty years, thirty years? How, how many years? Uh, sixty-nine. Uh, they were formally put together in nineteen sixty-nine. Okay, nineteen sixty-nine. So a long time. Um, what would be the top three cases? Do you think that MUFON would set their sights on and point to as here are three cases that not only did we do the investigatory work. But we came up with conclusions that they were a valid, real case. And if you can think of uh, a few cases that would really stand out for this. Well, one. the first one I think of is John Schuschler was the investigator behind Cash Landrum. Mm-hmm. And um, he did a spectacular job. And truthfully, I, they're just ticking through my head now. It's it's There are very many cases that really started, um, started in MUFON. The thing with MUFON is they just don't investigate the cool stuff. You know, we just don't do the cat threes, the physical evidence, the trace evidence. We're also doing, you know, the cases that are just lights in the sky because it meant, you know, it shook up somebody's world. It meant enough to them to go to the computer and file a report. And again, it's one of the sticklers because who wants to do those cases anymore? As an independent investigator, I'm not doing lights in the sky. We know they're there. That's boring, yawning, right? Ten minutes yep. ago. Absolutely. So, you know, but what do you do when you're consistently getting these? But, you know, there's cases all over the world. Um, I, I wish I could think on the spot of, you know, a couple more cases. But the first thing I thought of was John Schuschler and Cash Landrum. And there are many others. I can tell that- you what to do when those people call real quick with the strange lights. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you want to, you want, you ready? Yeah, I'd like uh, to hear that, Jesse. You can uh, get, just forward your your uh, phone number or your email to that grumpy guy in Seattle, the UFO reporting center guy. Oh. <laughs> he is very grouchy, and uh, here's a guy that's been doing that for about 200 years, and he takes all those calls, I think, on a like rotary dial phone in a bunker somewhere. So that might be helpful, and then you wouldn't have to deal with that anymore. I think I asked him to be on my show once, and he wanted me to pay him. Uh, and again, if he's listening, there is no money in ufology. <laughs> you do it because you're. Well, passionate. I'll get him on the show if you want. You guys. Can no, talk. that's okay because she brings- we don't want to hear about lights in the sky anymore. Why? <laughs> Number one, there's so many things flying around up there. You wouldn't be able to validate it anyway. Number two, right. who cares? We know they're out there. That's not the problem. That's yeah. not what we're trying to achieve anymore. And I guess that's a 
that's another great question for a, a MUFON type spokesperson, which is what, what is the ultimate end goal here that MUFON is trying to work toward? What is their prime directive? Pride Directive is a scientific study and benefit of humanity. And honestly, as as big as that sounds and people can easily point like, well, what have you done for the betterment of humanity? Well, let's talk about first that people that have nowhere else to go has an investigator call them when they file a report. That's I think that's that's huge. I can tell you that I've been in MUFON since 1996. A little break. Took a couple years off. So okay, to speak. me too. Yeah, and now that I'm back in, I can tell you that, you know, I call every, every single report I get, I reach out to the witness, whether they contact me back or not, they all have an option. I will give every single one of them that time that they need to tell me, um, what I can do for them. What so, do you do when some wacko calls you and gets, are they allowed to dial directly or are they going through a switchboard? What's going on? No, I give them my cell number. I okay, so somebody do. gets all of your cell number and they do what they used to do to me sometimes where they call up from either a mental hospital, which has happened, <laughs> yeah. or on a Sunday morning asking <laughs> you to get them to Mars immediately. What do he's you do not, with those? He's things? not kidding also, by the way. No, right, I'm not. And, and guys, I have to tell you, I have never had – you know, of course, I've, I've talked to some strange people, but mm-hmm. I have never had a problem uh, long term and – I very rarely get people that are, you know, just pulling a stunt. Um, it happens, yeah. but it's so rare. And we don't hear a lot of that in MUFON. Most of the people, um, you know, they honestly, not all of them have seen exactly what they think they've seen. You mean nobody's called and says they just got back from Uranus? No, I uh, not uh, that I have gotten. Oh, boy. I know. I'm sorry. That's no, all right. Yeah. We need that. We need that sometimes. Right? I, I probably would laugh anyway because, you know, I ha- you've got to keep that sense of humor. Well, of but course. the other thing you have to keep is, you know, a, a good skeptic. So, Well, let's talk about, like, for instance, uh, here's another good question. Uh, people always ask me, where do you guys advertise? You said you're, you're, you're mostly based, uh, your budget comes in uh, via the members uh, and their, their membership fees associated. So where, where do you guys advertise to get new members and how many members are we talking about? Do you have any idea? Um, I know we're over 4,000 members. I don't know the exact number. Uh, I can tell you that, you know, uh, the journal sells the, you know, a lot of people buy the um, field training manual, even though right now we have MUFON University, which is all online. And that's probably the greatest thing and step up in MUFON because every, it's, we now have onboarding programs. All right, so you join MUFON, you want to do something, but you don't necessarily want to be an investigator. Are there options? Oh my gosh, you sure are. And we have a whole onboarding program that can, you know, take you right down online. So everybody's getting that same good, good information. But, um, you know, as far as more fundraising, you know, the state directors help, uh, you know, they're having meetings, you know, they're, little fundraisers. And of course, the symposiums supposed to, you know, help generate some funding and, you know, yeah, I mean, one of my biggest gripes about most things in ufology, too, uh, meaning uh, functions, is, and I know this is a gripe fest. That's the point of this show to a certain degree. So we have to be open and honest about this stuff. And Bring we don't it, have guys. 600 commercials to block us, right? Bring so, it. I'm good. I know. I can tell. Trust me. I've already thrown away half of my questions. We're not going to have time for them. 
I, I, I think, you know, uh, would it be nice if there was a MUFON commercial during the Super Bowl? Yeah, that'd be pretty killer. Sure. You know, but either way you slice it, I'm hoping that from this show with, with audience members, because I know there's plenty out of people out there that do not like MUFON within ufology. They just don't. I, uh, I get it. I, and I, it's always bothered me because, look, I get I get the fact that uh, everyone's trying to have some sort of ownership on this subject sometimes because there's no, like, premier leader. Uh, but if you already have an organization that is functional, that's been around for six, nine years, um, don't you think that's the one you want to try to possibly turn to and try to embrace and support and or morph? But right. my issue, my one issue with the functions in general, including the symposium, is the exorbitant amount of money it costs to attend one of these things. Absolutely. And to tell you the truth, I don't pay for most of them unless, you know, they're killer speakers. Like, you know, you go to International Congress, you know, it, it just depends. I can go to the symposium. I just, you know, you buy the a lot of these conferences, you buy the ticket because you want in to hear the speakers. But if you're mostly looking to network and just be outside, you can still go. You just can't walk in there. But guess what? If there's two, one or two you want to see, you know they're always selling the DVD. I probably shouldn't put that out on the radio because they don't want that out there. But, right. you know, the truth is it would be nice if we could put out some of these conferences for, you know, 50 bucks a person. Problem is, is that the hall costs money and those prices are going up. The seats are going up. The sound stages are going up. The people behind them, you know, everybody's kind of honing in and there's competition now. MUFON and Ozark um, and Laughlin used to be pretty much the only games in the country. Now yeah. they're all over the place. So now you're competing, but you're also competing for that conference staff that understands what you need. So... And they're all that money's going up and up and up and up. And then, you know, production costs are up. So it, it, it would be wonderful if we could do it for 50 bucks. But to give the public the quality function that they would like and they, they would enjoy, it's going to cost some bucks. I hate it too, guys, to the point where I pick and choose what I go to and even what ticket I buy. Sometimes I, I can make a conference and just kind of hang out, you know, and, and network within the ranks because I don't care to go in and natural. And it's just such a shame because you have all this knowledge. And I, for one, I remember back in the day I would hop on a plane once in a while. And I even went to, um, what was it? Scottsdale once to go see Hoagland speak, right. which was uh, pretty bizarre back when Peter Gersten was a hot shot. Remember him? He was going to yes. sue everybody in the world. And he was terrific. I really enjoyed him. And, a lot of these people, what happens is, like you said, like we were talking about, whether it's a sabbatical or they just bottom out, you know, because right. they think like uh, Bryce Abel and people like that, that they can make a living in ufology and you can't. There's well, no money there are... to be made here, guys. There's no money to be made here. Either right. this is more like a religion than anything else without the money. And, religion and... always has money. We don't. And let's talk about the stars. Who are the stars? Oh, I'm sorry. If you're on TV, is your phone ringing? Are the people that have done TV shows all over the conference circuit and the people all over the radio right now? Nope. nope. Ufology's funny. We're not the paranormal world. You know, these guys are our rock stars where we can have big events and they come in for autographs and headshots. Nobody cares. It doesn't, it doesn't fit 
into right. a very convenient box, especially bring up TV. I know uh, uh, someone that I absolutely adored for many years. I looked up to him. And then he did this pathetic program because he needed money. Um, and it didn't work. And it was James Fox. And he did a program about uh, running around looking for UFOs. And it was beyond stupid. And he was the first one to admit it. Yeah, I know. And if yeah. you noticed since then, I mean, <laughs> the guy has just – he's taken his sabbatical obviously because that guy was at the top of the food chain. Yeah, and he's actually still working. He's he's actually still working. He's um doing a documentary. Uh it's going to be amazing and it just got some serious serious backing. Um so I was I, talking to him back when he was uh right when the uh I'm going to pronounce it wrong, the Corexafant or the stuff they were putting into the the water when when the oil slicks happened over in the Gulf. Yeah. Uh and he was on the scene doing live broadcasts and stuff and trying to bring light into that. So he sort of switched gears. And I think that was a sabbatical for him because it, it is, it must be, and this would be for you too. It must be so frustrating when you get to a certain point where you are like, this is freaking obvious folks. I can't make it any more digestible for you dummies. On a silver platter, out of the blue, if you didn't see that documentary, and you didn't come away with it going, holy shit, I don't know anything. What the hell is going on? Especially right. for a politician or someone in power. And we know why those folks don't usually want to support this stuff. But how frustrating should that well, be? You know what I'm saying? Well, Jesse, let me turn this around a little bit. How frustrating would it be for production? Because what is out there now that the public can eat up that we didn't even have really seriously five, six, seven years ago? Nothing. Our shows, our shows. Look That's at the, do they really need to see us? No, the information they're getting now, the alternative news, the breaking, uh, breaking trends, uh, any topic that comes out, we're all talking about it. They can hear it from Richard Dolan. They can hear it from Jesse Singer. They can hear it from Bill and Nancy. They can hear it from, you know, all these different places. But where are they coming? They're coming to us. So these TV shows really um, need to up their game because We've all been doing this for a while. <laughs> but I, I must say this, and I'm not trying to poke fun at other genres of the, the paranormal, and, and I honestly don't like being put in that, that, that genre, uh, putting ufology in that genre. But let's say we did put it in that genre. I, I don't want it in the same genre as ghost shows and such because I happen to know that uh, a large majority of those shows are fake. They are not real. The, the actual things that happen on those programs are entertaining and usually incredibly silly. And, yeah. you've all, and many people have heard me make uh, impressions of the guys from the Ghost Hunters um, <laughs> where every time there's a freaking – and everybody goes, oh, my God, let's get out of here. Yeah, you know, yeah. It is. <laughs> Did you hear that? Silly as shit ever, but it's entertaining. Sometimes you have to be in the mood for it. It's kind of LCD programming. And it works because they go to a new location. Shit always goes down. It's still creepy anyway. Guess what? Everything always happens in the basement. Wow, that's weird. And then you have these terrific movies to support it. We wow. have Independence Day 5 or whatever the hell they're <laughs> up to, which is another silly attempt to demean this subject. But we don't have shows that really fit into the box unless they're like documentary style. 
Um, well, and, and, and rehash, rehash, on- rehash. Yes. I, if I, and I love the guy. I'm really fond of Nick Pope. But if I see his mug on one more UFO show, it's like, come on, guys. No, I got Stop one more. recycling. Or even friggin', um, you know, I, Nick and the guys in the paranormal world. They just Katrina. did it. What's his last it, name? Um, you got it. Come on. Red, He's Redford. British. Redford. Thank you. I, if I see Nick Redford on a show one more time, he looks like an alien. He's going to be on my show probably pretty soon. I like. I love that's it. I do. I love him, guy. I love He's him. Great. I love well, him. Look, I am going to poke fun at plenty of people. I can apologize later. The point is, uh, he as as a very. Um, I was on Hoagland uh, calling in once with him, and I gave him shit. I really did because I think there is when I talk about ufology 2.0, and I want to do that after we take a break coming up in a, co- a couple minutes about what ufology 2.0 might mean to someone. Uh, like chase, but there are folks in this subject that are chasing, and I'm not saying it's Nick, but they're chasing a paycheck and we have to distinct the two. We have to make a line in the sand here and stop trying to figure out solutions about how we make this really fun. Uh, instead, I think we have to figure out solutions on how to make it really real to people. How would it matter to their lives? I think we're doing it. We're doing it every night on alternative talk radio, like on PSN. And, you know, uh, Chris Brown is stepping up to the plate and, you know, putting in his experience. And, you know, um, Jesse, you guys and, Mm -hmm. you know, Bill and Nancy still on and, you know, just all the other people out here. It doesn't matter what network you're on. We're all doing the same thing. We're trying to put out really great information and, you know, those trends for the public to know that this is where they're going to get the truth. It's not going to be television because even the UFO shows are as ridiculous as the paranormal. I honestly say, and I am on the record a hundred times, we have not had a good UFO program on television since UFO Hunters left. And you still watch reruns of UFO Hunters from the History Channel. I love it. Still relevant. Exactly. They're still relevant. I will still say until I'm blue in the face, I don't care, and then we're going to take a break. Bill Burns... He's a legend. I love him. He's a rock star in ufology. He should have taken over for Art Bell. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for saying that, but he should have. And we're going to take a break. When we come back, ufology 2.0. Hopefully, uh, I'm 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 uh, I'm filling in here. I'm teasing the teaser, the break here. We're going to talk about ufology 2.0 and what's coming down the pike for Chase. How you might be able to get involved. Some other terrific things here on Euphonaut Radio on a Monday night. Where else would you rather be? Don't go away. Angel, take us into the break, priest. Have you heard Mac Maloney lately? In your military career, did you ever see anything that came close to an unusual UFO sighting or... No. Holy <laughs> That was the... Yeah. Ten seconds of... Uh, no. What are you that tra- was so convincing. Yeah. What are you trying to say there? Well, UFO is an innocuous term. That's the worst fucking denial I've ever heard. Unidentified flying something. Mac Maloney's Military X-Files, Friday nights at 11 p.m. Eastern on the public streaming radio network. Unidentified flying on something else. 4,734 UFO sightings in 
854 abductions by aliens or unknown species reported by American and British citizens hundreds more unreported in 2007. Suppressed information about collisions with passenger aircraft and UFOs that has been kept from the public knowledge for years. And only one trusted source on information from some of the top UFO researchers in the world. Exclusive information that cannot be found anywhere else on the planet. Trusted, connected, accurate. The UFOstore.com. Expand your personal library with fast shipping and instant downloadable information from the largest selection of UFO products on the internet by going to theufostore.com or call on the 24-hour, 7-day-a-week order line at 541-523-2630. The truth is out there, and theufostore.com has it. Here's a riddle for you. What do the California Gold Rush of the 1850s, secret societies, coded messages, mysterious 19th century flying machines, and an early 20th century outside artist named Charles A.A. A. Delshaw all have in common? The Secrets of Delshaw by Dennis Crenshaw and Pete Navarro. Go to www.secretsofdelshaw.com to learn more. Up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. Supermanhomepage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. Supermanhomepage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the man of steel and more supermanhomepage.com Back now, Euphonaut Radio on a Monday night, broadcasting live here from a top-secret location somewhere in the Pacific Northwest. We've got Chris Brown, my co-host. We've got Chase Klosky, MUFON investigator extraordinaire and ex-DOD, top-secret agent. Just kidding. (laughs) And we're talking about MUFON and hopefully uh, making people aware of what is really going on in the inner circles. And we're getting back to some issues before I want to switch in our last half hour to talk about ufology 2.0 and what that means to everybody, especially our guest. But I really want to talk about MUFON and how they handle uh, frustration one more time. Uh, the reason, let me set an example here. You have, and you brought up radio as this medium for people in ufology to really get the word out and to not only entertain but to inform people, which I happen to agree with because every night when I'm doing the dishes, because that's one of my little chores in the house, uh, it's a big chore, by the way. My um, man. Yes, the Boy, way that we – I well, hate doing the dishes. <laughs> I, you know, I've been lobbying for a dishwasher for a very long time, and my uh, fiance has told me no man – she's from Texas – no man has ever died from doing the dishes. So I know that's something I can't F up. So I stick to that. I love it. I've gotten very good at it. 
But my my little friend that I can't do it without is my iPad, which is always tuned to either PSN or one of the other talk stations. Of course, uh, PSN being my favorite, which is why I ended up joining and coming back. But frustration because as a MUFON investigator, you have to follow protocol. You have to use, I'm going to guess, a scientific methodology when doing actual investigations and then you're thrusted into this radio world of minutiae with folks that claim to be having tea parties on board spacecraft or they go in their garage and channel alien beings or they go over to Switzerland and hang out with guys with uh, missing fingers and arms and legs and toes and they are going to see saucers whenever they feel like it. Not orbs, not specks, right. not lights, real craft interactions and I guess uh, – Jacques Vallée had a term for uh, the different contact um, episodes, right? So this would be what uh, close encounters of the fourth kind. Yeah, um, you um, have. Yeah. Well, if, if you excuse me for a second, who's the guy up here in up in uh, in Washington or at the ranch, the Gilliam or James? Yeah. James Gilliland, correct. Okay, yeah. Now him too, right? Is he uh, says these he things? Is, uh, he claim he makes a lot of claims, and I've met the man. I've interviewed the man. I'm sure Chase knows who I'm talking about, correct? Right, right, absolutely. What's your take on these folks, and how frustrating is that when you have to deal with real investigation? And I'm not trying to demean these people at all, but I'm saying real, meaning scientific investigation, as opposed to the folks um, on the other end of the spectrum. Let's say. I honestly take that scientific investigation with me everywhere. It doesn't matter if we're doing um, a uh, if we're looking into a contactee case, an abduction case, a cattle mutilation. Um, if we're investigating an elongated skull in Peru, that process is exactly the same every time. It's how we stay diligent. It's how we meet an admissibility because we can keep doing cases till we're blue in the face because we're only convincing ourselves. Until we start doing these right and having a case file that is worthy of looking at in five years, um, that's what we need to be doing. So to look at these, I, you know, take it even a step further, like the evangelic who think the UFO phenomena is the deception coming at the end of the world and the Antichrist will use it because yep. how else do you fool the world to listen to these guys while well, they have to be smarter and have technology and be better than us. So, you know, they think that this is going to happen. So I you don't find it here. frustrating? You don't find it frustrating when, when guys like Sheldon Nidal come on my show and say that we'll speak for an hour and a half or two or three hours about the kind of meat that he had on board the spacecraft and what went down? And Or how about that, that gentleman who, who used to be uh, – help me with the name, guys. It's been a while, but he was a uh, Los Angeles Times newsman who came out with a bunch of books where he was in a contactee and he was on board the crafts. Uh, not Passaggio, right? Not Passaggio. He's the hmm. time guy. Right, uh, right. I'm talking about this is an ex Los Angeles times news reporter for years. Very respected guy. He's probably in his seventies now. Hmm. And he released a few books about these entities that were going to make their presence known. Somebody from the audience has got to know who this. Oh, I'm sorry. I got. I got it. His name was Phil Kraft. I cannot believe. Right. It. Right. Honestly, I'm not frustrated. Um, it doesn't frustrate. There's some people. There's some people I will listen to, and others I just turn off. But you, 
you can't be so quick to dismiss something because it doesn't fit in your paradigm. And I learned that with the abduction community. When I first started with MUFON, it was nuts and bolts, nuts and bolts, nuts and bolts. You know, and I haven't dismissed the evangelic. This could be cosmic, um, which fits into the Jacques Vallée type um, theories that are going on. The problem is, is um, when we start sifting through some of this information, what would have sounded crazy 10 years ago doesn't anymore because we have a clearer understanding of the UFO phenomena. Do so, we? well, I think so. I mean, are they really coming here on a full tank of gas and a Red Bull? Mm, probably not. <laughs> probably not. You know, it. so, you know, that's where all this study comes in, which is what makes these databases very valuable that MUFON has because now what we have are decades of information. Now, we have decades of investigators that we have to feed off of, grab their white papers. Linda, you know, Stanton, you know, the pe- the people that were before us, we can grab their information. We're going to have a piece of that puzzle, too. And I do believe we are getting very close. I believe this is going to be solved through science because I believe the technology, when we understand it, um, it's the physics I don't want to cut you off. What, 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 what about what MUFON actually believes to be truism, Drea? Are you able to put your finger on and tell us uh, what it is after 69 years that MUFON believes and that they're uh, public about? Actually, MUFON has a statement that um, it starts, we believe. And uh, it was on the website for many, many years. And, and we were just talking about that because there was a – board meeting in Irvine, California, the first weekend in June. And I was there at that meeting. I'm not on the board, um, but they bring membership in sometimes to just kind of shake things up. I'm sure why I was there, because <laughs> I can shake it up just by being rowdy, right? But, you, you know, these one of the things they discuss is that we need to tell the public what we believe, and that is going back up on the website. So check that out. But kind of right, I, I swear to God, audience, I did not know that. Uh, it just it just kind of occurred to me during the break. I said, I don't know what these people believe. Yes, and stay tuned. And and if you want, I will contact Jan tomorrow because we wrote it up at that meeting. I know exactly what it is. We'll see if we can get it out soon. It is important. But let me let me just say one thing because I know you want to close up the whole MUFON thing, sure. guys. It's time to come back. If you're good, if you're sincere. You know, let's work together. Let's get back in. Nobody was was more humiliated out of the job I loved more than being the star team manager. I loved that job. And I was put into um, a corner and my integrity was was really being bought and sold. And it wasn't for sale and it wasn't for rent. I had to leave. Membership, I mean, leadership changes. Do I stay out here and be bitter? No. Come back, guys. If you don't like what's going on in MUFON, come back and join it. Help us change it. Help us get better. Help us work together. Um, I think we need more of a message like that than everybody just sitting around and bitching themselves happy, right? Well, no. It's like, I let's think- do something. What about yeah. uh, does yeah. MUFON uh, ostracize or uh, not ostracize, but do they throw people out? Are there people that have been thrown out of MUFON for being black sheep or for uh, – Possibly causing uh, problems within. Um, I'm sure they have. I, there are there are protocols. There are rules. There are policies. There are things you know ethical, you know ethical behaviors. Uh, not too many people get fired at MUFON. I think you know most people just kind of fade away. That 
you know, don't really fit, if they can't make themselves kind of get in there, um, are people what fired? Somebody- of course they are. They have to be. You know, you, there's accountability when you're holding public positions and MUFON is a public organization. So. Chris, what'd you want to say? I, I was just going to say, I just, um, I was going to say, if, you know, if you get promoted to a state supervisor, whatever, uh, you aren't, let's say, living up to those um, qualifications or whatever. Do you, will they, will they demote, demote you and, and promote another person maybe? Or is that just like sometimes? That, that is possible. What I will tell you is it's unlikely to happen as, you know, you have some people that get in and they have probably not the best state director ever or sure. the most energetic. Because um, I've heard this about, I asked that question as it goes back to somebody, I won't say a name, but that's kind of has been his issue is that the state director just doesn't really do anything at all. And he's tried to do all these to, to work with them and all he can do, but he can't really do anything because it all relies on him. So. But there's so many other things in MUFON to do, like the Orange Orb team, the special assignment team, work to be a star team, you know, investigator. There's, um, I could think of 20 other things beyond, you know, the science review board, you know, contact the abduction committee. Um, there's all these little things that you could do if you're not getting that, um, assistance or, you know, that good direction in your state. But you sure. can also call the DOI. You could contact the director of training and maybe go around. Some of these guys, I mean, let's face it. Who wants to get rid of the guy who's been the state director for 30 years that paid his dues and has been loyal to MUFON? You know, there has to be a little bit of that courtesy to some of these old guys. I'm, sure. you know, it just and, has I, and I, I 100% get, get that, you know, because there's, there's with yearly dues that go on within this time. People pay time, money, effort. Yeah. Uh, I get it. And it's all a voluntary terror thing. I did not know that. I all found out in my experience with them that all this was voluntary. They ran around and they, they, everything that, that came out of their pockets was just out of, you know, for, for doing all the running around wasn't part of MUFON was out of their own pocket. And so, yeah. yeah. Everything. We don't get anything. Um, you know, and some of that's changing too. It's just, MUFON's coming up to the, you know, into a modern era. Um, it, it needed a little bit of that personnel change. Jan is a visionary. Dave McDonald, um, is somebody who has a nice, strong leadership as well. So have they ever thought about actually maybe, yeah, I'm sure you probably have, but, uh, teaming up with open minds, you know, when my, I have to say when my encounter happened, you know, and it went through MUFON and all that, I mean, it went, you know, it was okay or whatever, but of course there's a little bit of me, but when it went to open minds, it's, like we hit earlier, it's just things that really exploded on that end. And maybe that could be something that helped move on, you know, and promote and get them, you know, I don't know. Well, and, and Chris, I, I felt the same way. Like I'm thinking, man, Alejandro and John, they're freaking killing it over they here. Just take all the move on cases pretty much and just ha- and highlight them onto their side and, right. and kind of branch them out and kind of do what they need to do by them, but do it the right way. No, those boys are lit. Those boys are lit. I honestly, though, you need the stability of MUFON. That's the one thing. It, it may be a little slower moving, you know, where you have all the, you know, fast plays, fast paced glitz. And of course, a lot of that success is Alejandro because a lot of that personnel is no longer there. I mean, there's a lot of failure, if I you know. want to call it that, or, you know, things have kind of slimlined. 
but MUFON continues to grow. It's, it's kind of that stable uh, organization for a reason. And for as many times it's criticized for not changing fast enough, they're still standing. So, you know, we have to give credit, you know, to these old boys. And, you know, they're difficult sometimes, especially when you're a feisty little girl that has an opinion. Um, but I really... It's time to join, guys. It's time to get you back know, in. Let's kick it. I was just going to say, we hit on something right there, and that is girl. Let's get into that a little bit about <laughs> the, you know, a little bit about the female part of the, the ufologist because you that know that's that's me. a big thing. Is, is 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 you know you girls are really you know it's it's hard for girls. I understand. I know it is. You know uh, a few of them that that are in the same position, and you are are you know the Terminator. Out of them all, Chase, you really are, are the one that's that's leading the pack. Well, so I don't want that. I, I don't see so much leading. I, I I'm just old and I'm getting grumpy. You're trying. I am trying, trying exactly. Yeah. Like if that door shuts, I'm not going to wait for another one to open. I'm going to breach it. It's like, wait, guys. Sure. I'm here. You gave me this title. Let me do my job. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Can I please be listed on that list? Because if you left that boy off, you know there'd be a nuke set off. You know, there's a little bit of sticking up for yourself. And I hate to do that because I think, you know, being a female, I have to remind them sometimes that I'm in that same realm that should be getting the same treatment as the boys. Um where the guys don't have to remind them they're there. So there's still a little bit of that. Um, not so much. I will say that if I could change one thing, and that is if I call with a complaint, well, the girls aren't getting along. Where yeah. if the guys call, it's like, well, you know, he's got an issue. Let's look into it. But for, Oh, it's just know, that, or it's sad to say, yeah. you know, it's just her time. Yeah. You know, she's yeah. just, she's hormonal. Okay. Yeah, whatever. Exactly. Sure. And it's like, dude, I'm old and I'm grumpy and I just, you know, but you don't see that so much. And like, I think the guys are trying. I know they're trying and they have been for a long time. And again, who do I love the most? Walt Andrews. I love um absolutely John Schuessler, you know, the board of directors. I have to, I, I'm going to be real honest to tell you guys like this big thing I've never said. I go to this board meeting. I absolutely expected to yawn and barely get through it. Just let me get through this board meeting, right? These guys are funny. They're funny. They've got great ideas. And to be in the back room of what's really going on in MUFON, what they want to do next, where they want to go, was the best thing to happen to me because I fell in love with these guys all over fell in love with MUFON all over because I heard it with my own ears. And they're a lot of fun. They really are. Jan, a friggin' riot. He, he cracks me up in a lot of ways. But we have to go at them like that. But I honestly think, let's give credit where it's due, MUFON's still standing. It's still solid as a rock, organizationally. And, you know, let's be part of that process but the future's in international. That's my favorite. I love working international. My favorite job in MUFON that I do. I'm national director of Mexico, national director of Cuba, and um, can I punch in there for a second? 
Yes. Um, let's bring up Mexico for a minute. You know, talk about black spots. Um, and this was on my sabbatical just as a listener and a fan. Um, I was appalled by what happened with Jaime Musan and the gang down there. Uh, I, I, I was absolutely amazed how many people got duped, how many people got thrusted into this mockery. Yeah, it was a gut punch. It was, and it still is. I mean, there mm -hmm. are still people that are, I mean, one of my favorite investigators, what a nice person too, but deathbed confessional uh, pioneer, uh, Don Schmidt. Um, I mean, guys who were, Tom Carey, guys who I thought were the cream of the crop. Um, how did MUFON take something like that? How did they look at something like that? Do you guys discuss it? Do you have an opinion? Do you come out with a press release? How does that work? No, I I, I think MUFON was, um, again, completely separate of it. I can tell you that most of us were kind of sitting back hoping this was all true. And, you know, we're looking for the break. It's going to happen, guys. One day somebody's going to have right, now, Here's it. the thing. Let, let's stick with me on this for a second because where I'm trying to go is uh, – is, and this is a, uh, a touchy subject. Uh, okay. It's, it's, it's accountability. Okay. There's certain right. people that came out of that mess that took yeah. accountability. And there were yeah. certain people that are still trying to pretend that they had nothing to do with it. And they just went down there because it was a free trip or some other bullshit. Well, they got to and, go to Mexico. I love to go to Mexico. Well, the, yeah. you, how come they didn't ask you, Chris? Are you talking Richard Dolan? Uh, I, I, you know what? I, I might be. I might be okay. talking about Dolan. Well, let's pretend, honestly, let's pretend that, let's use him as an example. Um, I'm very close to Richard. We're very, very good friends. Richard, uh, called Race and I, and we were talking, or his, you know, kind of his closest little group of friends. And he mentioned, oh my gosh, I got invited down there. And, and he's like, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm going to be honest with you. We told him he was invited down there so that they could use his name for credibility. And he's like, that's probably what's going on. And then we got talking and we really talked around this issue. And finally, I said, you know what, Richard, you're a historian. Either this is going to be huge one way or another. They have something or they don't. But as a historian, as somebody that this UFO community counts on to get the details right of what happens out there, you need to go. And we feel horrible, you guys, because it was his closest friends that talked him into saying yes and getting on that plane. Wow. And we, wow. Yeah. And and he did because we kept saying the public is going to trust you when you come out and say it. So yeah. the guy gets down there. He gets you know all up in this. They're so worked over there. Well, after the whole thing's over. We're, we know it's blowing up. We knew it was blowing up halfway through it, right? So I'm got punch. I'm disappointed. I'm already seeing information come out from blue blurry lines, which are brilliant. I love those guys. And, you know, I'm watching this fall, fall apart and I'm thinking, Oh my God, Richard's out having champagne because Jaime's got them all completely isolated they're all celebrating because oh you know, he thought it was great the next day he took them on a tour they don't even there's no cell phone i mean a lot of the places they were at there was no internet richard had no idea what was going on in that 24 hours he gets to the airport the first time he has internet and could check his phone he was devastated because he didn't say anything for like 48 hours people had wow. no idea he was isolated and out 
So, you know, and to his credit, he decided, you know, a lot of things other than. I will say that I love the guy. So, you know, um, I'm always going to defend him vehemently. Um, Richard Dolan actually handled it quite well. Um, Not only am I a personal fan of his uh, materials, his his work, but what a huge huge body of work, right? But uh, it's great to have very, very smart people involved with this subject, okay? So he's one of the the people doing it well. As a historian, would, you know, yeah. as his friend, would you not have said you I would have went. I mean, I would have went if I was him. I'll admit. I would have been, okay, yeah, I'm going to Mexico. Yeah, but that that wasn't my point. My, po- my point, uh, and, and uh, apologize for you that. No, that's a um, huge thing. What if it was, like she said. It, it, <laughs> hey, I'm going to Mexico next month, so I'm not going to say a damn yeah. thing. It, it, I was invited, and I'm definitely going, and I'm looking forward right. to it. The point I'm making is that after that de- debacle, um, how people are held accountable. Right. Um, oh, I agree. It seems as business as usual. I, I remember a couple of weeks after that, I was still listening to Whitley Strieber and Linda Moulton Howe talking about how this was totally true, and people were getting it wrong. Yeah. There was. Th- that's why this official body of, of, of a MUFON, per se, is if it was embraced in the future, if it is going to be embraced, if you could cross that Rubicon, so to speak, uh, what a difference it would make because people would look to you guys to say, right. hey, what happened in Mexico? Damn it. That was crazy. And it really hurt this subject. Who's going to be held accountable? Are you guys going to still book Jaime Musan at these things? <laughs> or Paula Harris, right? Well, so- I mean, and these these might be incredibly nice people. I but, agree. Yeah, this is it. Come on. Well, when you're talking science and you're talking about a scientific agenda and then you have non-scientific people on there, look, I, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I didn't really blame Jaime too much. He's a showman. It's what he does. I blame the investigators for dropping the ball. The guys who said that they were the investigators, it was their responsibility. As an investigator, when we take on that title – we take on an immense responsibility. We owe it to the people we um, that trust us with their information, the witnesses mm-hmm. that call us. Yeah. And we also owe it to the people that we promised we'd do it for them, like MUFON, or if you're part of a private team or even independent. You know, this is bigger than, you know, this guy's personality or that girl or whatever. And, yeah, the field has a lot of problems, but – Honestly, it's it is about being more part of the solution and 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 I know I'm kind of the cheerleader out here guys, but we we have to start you know ignoring these little problems. And I you know what I say? Hey Kardashians, you know, or some of these people, if your phone's not ringing, it's me. It's the rest of us. <laughs> it's you know, if you're not working out well, here, if you're not contributing and being honest, if you're not being honest and if you're letting people down and just like in any other profession, if you're not reliable and if your integrity's not intact, you're not going to be around anywhere, no matter what field you get into. It's not just ufology. There well, is that's, accountability. That's a good point. Yeah, well, go ahead. You're saying there is accountability. There is. There is accountability among peers. And I won't work with people that don't have that kind of integrity and <clears> – <throat> 
you know, and, and I and I don't mean that to be cocky, but when their phone's not ringing, it's me. When their phone's not ringing, it's Dolan. When their phone's not ringing, it's Jesse or Chris or or Angel or whoever. You know, you've got to maintain that integrity out here, and um, people are going to smell it coming after a while. If so, you're in the so who's doing it right? Let's because we we're, we're running low on time, so uh, I'm not even going to get to ufology 2.0 tonight, and that's okay because uh, it's it's my. Uh, uh, my little baby that I want to talk to you about another time and get your opinion on what we need to do. And so and we might have a caller join in, by the way. Go ahead. Punch him in if he's here. Caller, who do we got? Yeah, We're trying to get up. him. We're trying to get him. We're trying to get him. He's not trying there. to get a caller. Okay. Well, well no, he's in the chat. He's, he's making threats. He's on a caller. Promises. I don't know. Yeah, he will. He's just getting <laughs> himself together. I have great faith. Well, I have to say, uh, Chase, I appreciate you taking some of these uh, these questions because I think that – the, the last thing I want to do is softball you, and obviously you can take it. And, uh, yeah, uh, I hate you. Jesse, I'm so thankful because there are times when, you know, you do these interviews and I get asked the silliest little girl questions. It's like, guys, yes. I've been pounding sand out here since 1994. Give me some hard stuff. Put me on the spot. Give me some skeptical questions. I'm not afraid of it. It's, it's yeah, like, let's, and if you let's have do a problem with MUFON, this is a great lady to talk to because, uh, like I said, uh, I know some people that really hate MUFON. They have this hatred. I do too. I do too. And it's like, wow, I didn't know. Now, getting back oh to the, Mex the Mexico thing, thank goodness uh, they weren't as popular as everybody thought so that this thing didn't get to mainstream and the media didn't report it and, and say, oh, guess what? Um, these guys look stupid again because look what they did in Mexico. They thought this little dummy that's in some museum was an E.T., uh, body and uh, Dr. Greer's movie where he's got this little thing that looks like uh, I don't know what the heck it is. In fact, I'd love your opinion on that. Have you seen that serious movie from I Dr. have and, and your opinion on this little person or or, or uh, I don't know what it is. What's your take? You know, it, it's interesting because um, Gary Nolan from Stanford University has also looked at the star child skull and um, there's a lot of really great information that we're getting from this DNA. And the problem is, is that uh, when you're talking ancient, and this might be another whole show, guys, but. It might be. We got about four minutes. Yeah. I want to get to a call. I'm going to cut you off. Perfect. We got a caller on the line. Who, who, who's calling in? This is Bill Skywatcher. Bill, welcome to the program. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from New York. Okay, New York. That's my town. What do you got to say for our guests tonight or anything you want to ask or respond? Go for it. Hey, Chase, it's Bill. Hey, Bill, how are you? How's everything? Chase, any uh, recent cases that you've been investigating? I know you're part of the elite team that goes around and investigates the high-profile cases. Anything of interest recently that you're investigating? Great yeah. question. you got three minutes. <laughs> Take the whole three minutes, and I'm going to shut up. Go. It's um, and it's a special assignment team. Special just meaning different. Um, you know, the, the eliteness do that. You know, you grab half a MUFON and put it on an elite team. Um, but yes, we actually are working a case right now, helping out a state director on an alleged um, UFO crash that has never been um, investigated. That we're just now getting information on now. So um, working that a little bit. I'm trying to think of uh, cases that uh, work at a couple military cases. We're, we're finishing up the whistleblowers. 
what we're finding is that this group's pretty good at vetting out good information from, you know, credible witnesses, blah, blah, blah. So, um, but we don't only get just cases from witnesses. If Jan and Steve have something that they need investigated, like um, a document or a DD-214, we do that as well. So we're just kind of headquarters little unit. But um, I like it. And it's um, the special assignment team just called special because we, we're different. We take the different cases that n- do not go into CMS. They're Bill, used- are you a MUFON member? No, I'm not. But I'm a sky watcher and I'm a ufo- ufologist. So I'm- and you can- Well, that's why I'm asking because I'm trying to make a point here. And we only got a couple of minutes. I wish, we, I wish you called in earlier. But could you tell us why you're not? Is there a reason? Well, I actually like to do my own investigative research. It's just something that I, I do personally from having two experiences myself. And yeah. I do, do live sky watches on YouTube. So I'm quite involved in that aspect. I just, you, you know, do, do, wait a minute. You do live sky watches on YouTube? Mm-hmm. I want yes, to I I check that out. How do I check that out? Yeah, send us your link. That would be Please awesome. Put that, that's what I'm talking about. That's what this show is about. So could you, uh, could you throw that into the chat or? Or I can sure Angel post that somewhere? Um, I guess, you know, in my way, and I'll post it everywhere. Go ahead, Chase. I, I cut you off. And, and Bill, I just want to say, uh, the Star Child investigation I'm doing is not a MUFON case. I am free. You would be free as a MUFON investigator. You can still take cases on your own. So um, you just get the added benefit of now having um, contact and a community within New York um, and, and fellow investigators, possibly in your area, um, it's, you work as much as you can. If you don't want to do a lot of cases in New York, you just tell them, guys, I'm busy right now. I'm looking at the time. I'm freaking out because this one. I know, Chase, we're running out of time. Bill, Bill, thanks for calling. Have a great night. You too, man. Night, Bill. Thanks for calling, buddy. Listen, uh, we're getting down to the wire here. Chase, first of all, you're a class act. Oh, thank you. Second, you guys rock. It's true. And second of all, I feel a lot better about MUFON tonight. Oh. Um, I really do, and possibly their future. And I hope some of the people take heed here because um, we got to do something. And that's the whole purpose of being here is to try to figure out some of these routes. I didn't even get to ask you about a whole bunch of folks like Bassett and your take on Greer and some of these other characters that uh, some of them I could listen to the cows come home. Uh, <gasps> Jesse, you know a- what that means? That means yeah. you have to have me back, mister. I would love to. Chase <laughs> Klosky, uh, Chris Brown. Anything in, in uh, parting for Ms. Klosky here? Hey, it's been wonderful having you on, Chase, and I look forward to having you come back on very soon and to talk more. You know, it's uh, nice meeting you. Anytime. Yeah. You guys are absolute rock stars. I really, really appreciate it and have fun. Great show, guys. Great show. Thank you, you so very much. For the rest of you weirdos out there, Euphonaut Radio every Monday night. Nice. And yeah. a site, by the way, a site. Uh, a site? We, we have a site? Yes, that you can maybe uh, give out for people that contact you on Chase. Oh, oh I just been- launched a brand new one. It's called, um, look for the field reports, plural, dot com. The field reports dot com and just my name dot com. Um, it's just my name, everything. At I Yahoo, okay. on Facebook. Yeah, just yeah. follow me on Chase, Twitter. Uh, uh, Chasekoski dot com, correct? Yes. Okay. Check it out. You get her cell phone numbers on there and pictures of her if you want to call her. Everybody else, we'll talk to you next Monday night on PSN Radio Network, Euphonaut Radio, Chris Brown, Jesse Randolph. We'll talk to you next Monday. Have a great and safe week. Can you hear me?